This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time but still found the time to create a course grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Hello, hello, family, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you are a fireman, police officer, nurse, military, then you are in the right place in this week's episode. I have the super, super fabulous Miss Jessica Flores. Thank you so much for hopping on this morning. She opted out of video, so this will be an audio podcast only. (laughs) She's not bad looking either, guys, but you you can't see that because she did not want to be on camera, but that's okay. I like to uh, see people and talk to them in the eyes. All of my remote, all of my interviews are remote anyway, so um, I never have people in the same room as me. But I do, I am able to make connections with people just by looking through the camera because uh, they see the sincerity of my heart. And before we get into your story, I just want to thank you for serving in all the capacities that you have served in in the past and what you're currently doing, which we will get into. But I just want to sincerely tell you thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, with that, I will let you take it away. And if you could just tell us your entire life story in three short minutes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dave, for having me. Um, Short story of my life. Wow. Let me just tell you, I think my desire to be in law enforcement started when my grandpa would come to our house when I was about six, seven, eight years old in his police car in the nineties that, you know what those look like. It was just something special to see like a spaceship almost. And he would let us turn on his lights. He'd let us turn on his sirens. He brought us donuts and a Sunday paper. And I think that always just stuck with me, especially since he passed away when I was 10, um, six months after retiring from the law enforcement um, oh. job. And that was the first death I'd experienced, um, that I recall at least. And seeing the, he was also military. He was a Marine, the military slash police funeral at that age. It is something that to this day, I just got goosebumps. Uh, it, it sticks with you and you see the community and you see what that looks like. And you're like, Holy cow, like what in the world? Um, and it was just something that I think deep down stuck with me. And then, 
for some reason, as time went on, things like um, the Oklahoma City bombing, the O.J. Simpson trial, the Scott Peterson trial, the dumb chick down in Florida, Casey Anthony, all of those trials just really gripped me. And I was like, what in the world? And wow, these victims really need a voice. And these prosecutors aren't doing a darn good job of doing that for them. And maybe the investigation didn't either. So it was just deep inside of me, a pool to be a detective. And then I went to college because you're supposed to after high school. I didn't love school. I just did it because I was supposed to. Um, but I did a ride along at 18 years old in the inner city here in Kansas City, Missouri, and my life was changed forever. It was solidified that I am meant to be a cop. I'm going to be a cop. This is what I'm going to do. I hate that I have to be a street cop, but damn, this is fun. So um, <laughs> waiting until I was 21 to actually be able to apply was torture. It was absolutely torture, but I did everything in my power to prepare myself for what that would be. I switched my major. I stupidly drove through the inner city <laughs> to and from school because I didn't live on campus um, just so I could learn my geography. I did as many ride-alongs as I could. Um, I was a nerd for police work and it was awesome. Um, and then I finally got my dream come true at 21 years old, a month after 21. Um, did seven months in the academy. And to me, that was like my college. That was my time to shine. That was so much fun. I had learned so much, but I also knew that I wasn't learning what I needed to until I was on the road. Um, but I did a ride along every single weekend. I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing when I hit those streets because it wasn't for the faint of heart. And my eyes were open to a whole new world. Um, fast forward for what'd you, go to school, what'd, what'd you go to school for? Well, initially biology, I thought I could be CSI Las Vegas and do the investigating and the lab stuff, which no, I had zero desire to be in a lab ever. Um, so I switched it from that to business and I took an economics class and withdrew immediately. I was like, absolutely not. Is this for me? Um, the computer classes were okay. And then I was like, I'll just do criminal justice. That's fine. But even sitting through those were like, no, this is dumb. I don't care about the history of policing. I care about right now and I care about changing people's lives. So I did what I had to until I joined the police academy and I was like, see you later. <laughs> Never looked back. I also, I also did criminal justice because um, my job required it because I worked as a civilian for my department. Okay. And then they were like, well, you have to take criminal justice. So I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do anyway. In college, mm -hmm. so I took two years of criminal justice, and then I did back-to-back -back academies. I did uh, NYPD Academy, and then I did my local county. Oh wow! Academy. So yeah, I did back-to-back -back <laughs> academies. I had a month left to graduate the NYPD, and I got called for the next one. So I I was like a full-time student for like for year for it felt like a couple of years, but I enjoyed the academy life. Like it felt like everything that I learned in college was everything that I was learning in the NYPD minus the shooting and, and the <laughs> defensive tactics, you know, right. But everything, it, it felt like the academics came really, really easy to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, some people who had never studied criminal justice, they struggled with that a little bit, like yeah. reading the laws and things, but, um, I didn't struggle with the academics at all. And then also I was 22. So I was in really, really good shape. Yeah. <laughs> 22, 20, 23 years old. Uh, how old were you when you got on? 21, like brand new 21. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were a baby. <laughs> I was. A baby. And, and I still have a young face, but people, when I, when I first first was on the street, people would ask me all the time, like, how old are you? <laughs> all the time. I would be getting a drink and they'd be like, are you old enough to carry that gun? And I, and I was a smart ass. I was like, no, this is just pretend. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> but yes, I'm old enough to do this job. Thank you. And that was 17 years ago. So hard to believe it's been that long. I wasn't going to ask how, <laughs> how long ago that was, but um, that's, that's incredible. So tell us about your career. Um, yeah. So I started in the big inner city. I did it for four and a half years um, on midnights in probably the most dangerous part of the city. My first year, we had seven officers locally in our department shot. Thankfully, none were killed. So it was in my brain, obviously, that it could happen. Um, right around the one-year mark, one of my classmates in my sector got shot during a foot chase in the foot. Thankfully, he was fine. But they killed the suspect, and that really just changed my perspective on a whole lot of things. And I literally, in the moment, watching that man's life drain from his body, a part of my soul did the same thing. And I was... Yeah darn determined that I was going home at the end of every shift and so were my sector mates whatever that took and whatever that needed to look like but as you can imagine after doing that for four years like it it really wears on you and you can see that you're not really making a difference um, when you have a county that won't prosecute the people you're out there risking your life to arrest every night um, yep. you're getting shot at and nothing is happening to these people and it's just like a what the f what am I doing and I've got a lot of life left to live like do I want it to end prematurely? I don't think so. So um, I ended up leaving that department on my own, on my own, um, after being shot at and nothing happening <laughs> and being like, no, it's just not worth it at this point. Um, so I left, I tried another field and the minute I was hit or kicked by a patient, I was like, absolutely not. Cause I can't do anything back to you. Maybe I should be back in law enforcement. And it was always a calling. It was always there. It was always in my heart. And I was like, darn it, I never got to be a detective. So I switched. I went to a smaller department that I knew the area of. Um, and I came out of the gate saying drugs and guns and being proactive are what I like. That's what I want to do. That's the crime I want to deal with. Um, well, we don't have that here. I'm like, sir, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> like, I grew up around here and I very well know what's going on, whether you want to admit it or not. Lo and behold, we had five homicides that first year. And I was like, damn, <laughs> okay. They didn't know what to do. They had no idea like how to handle that. Um, thankfully I did because I came from a department that had that every night, five in one night wouldn't be, you know, odd. Um, so I, I took all the experience from that big department and was able to really utilize it um, and how I patrolled that community. And then I went after five homicides, I got to make detective. Um, because I told him this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I learned I don't like petty crime, if you will. I want to be that voice for those victims that I initially became a cop to be. So I did that for about a year and a half, had a couple more homicides. And I was like, good Lord, what's happening here? Um, and then I saw a really big call for some leadership because there was not, I wouldn't say leadership on my department. It was a lot of supervisors, but there was no leadership, if you will. And uh, my entire detective unit ended up quitting because of one bad change in command and uh, either wow. left the department or just got promoted like I did and was like, see ya, um, which left you a whole new unit of brand new detectives who had no clue what they were doing, but it is what it is. So then I could take that experience when I got promoted to sergeant and I could run crime scenes because I didn't need to call detectives. I knew what I was doing. I could handle the bigger scenes because I already knew how to. Um, so I was... A sergeant, but I was dealing with this nagging wrist injury, hand injury to my gun hand. 
And I was like, oh man, blah, blah, blah. But I was very proactive still. I couldn't let it go. I was just three years old, darn it. (laughs) Um, So foot chases and falling on that wrist and trying to grab suspects. And all of a sudden I couldn't grab them like I should be able to. And all of a sudden it really was really painful to grab my gun. And I was like, no, this isn't good. This isn't, I need to get this looked at. Did you train jujitsu at all during that time? I did not. I mean, I took my defensive tactics in the academy, but um, I did not have any martial arts of any kind um, at all. And thankfully, I mean, we didn't need it that often, but on the off chance we did, I was like, let me get this looked at. I was told a quick and simple surgery would fix this wrist. I'd be back to new in like two to three months. But then three months passed by, six months passed by, and I was still like not able to use my hand. To this day, I still can't use it like I should be able to. And uh, my career ended very prematurely and very unexpectedly. Um, What was that? 10 years in? I was 31. So 10, 11 years in. Mm, I'm sorry that you had to go out like that, you know. (laughs) But you did make a transition into uh, your current side hustle, which if you could talk about that is that your full-time work now no I sure wish it was kind of like we were chatting beforehand I wish that was something that was paying my bills but um, I think there's some power to that type of story so I've been out now for seven years Um, February of 16 is when I had surgery November of 16 is when I actually had to turn in resignation and I've had a lot of jobs since then but there was nothing fulfilling about it it was Simple jobs that I could actually get hired at, simple jobs that definitely didn't fulfill me. And then I was introduced to direct sales um, about two years into that. And that really opened my mind to entrepreneurship and what creating a life for yourself looks like and that it's actually a thing and something I never thought about as a cop for sure. Entrepreneurship was never, (laughs) never in the scales. Um, I think we are too much evidence, fact-based thinkers and not knowing what might happen over here is really hard to picture. Um, so thankfully, the direct sales and the personal development that came with that opened my mind enough to say, okay, this is cool. I love selling these products for these other companies, but I need something of my own. I want something of my own. And I have a bigger purpose than selling workout programs and skincare and makeup. I, I have a bigger okay. purpose. I, I, did, I did that too. I did all those things. <laughs> <laughs> it was the great segue into where we're at. Um, and I mean... I deal with imposter syndrome every single day. I'm doing it. I'm putting it out there. And I'm still like, oh my God, why? What, why am I, why would I be able to do this? Um, and I just pause you and, yeah. and clap for that <laughs> and say thank, thank you for, for sharing that because there's so many people. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people deal with that imposter syndrome and the fact that like they're doing the thing, but they don't feel like, like, hey, you have to crown yourself. You have to give yourself the title. And, you know, I gave myself the title of the world's number one speaker for first responders. And uh, have have I lived up to it yet? Maybe not, but I was a contestant on the Great American Speak Off. And um, I did make it to the semifinals. So I know that I have something there, you know? I actually saw that (laughs) and you made me look into that. I was like, why not? Why not put in? Like, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where was I? I don't even remember. You were saying um, how, you know, you transitioned into this coaching role. Oh, role yes. And you've had, you know, you've experienced imposter syndrome. And I think I was saying every everyone has. Yeah. Everyone. And it's so funny because well, as a... Whether they'll admit it, whether they'll admit it or not. <laughs> right. And as a cop, 
that was the most confident I've ever been in my life about anything. You couldn't shake me. And then when I lost it, holy cow, did the doubt, the self-doubt, the um, lack of confidence, it all came in. And I was like, what is this? I don't even know how to live this way anymore. Like, wow. And to this day, I have tools in my tool belt to help me get through that. I can, I can hear that negative thought and I can stop it and I can give myself the facts <laughs> and move forward. Um, and that's what I'm hoping to do for other people because I know how hard it can be. Um, but I created, I want to say it was last March. It was last March, like 9th. I had lunch with a friend and told her, all these people keep telling me I need to be a life coach. This was a client at one of my previous jobs and she knew I was miserable. And so she was always looking for a way to help. And this conversation sparked and I told her, I don't even know who I would help. Like, it's not just women. Like, I know that's who I'm used to helping with this direct sales stuff. And that's great. But like, I, there's just something not there. Um, and I can't meld my past with law enforcement and everything I learned with it. Like, I, I could not put the pieces together. And so she told me about someone she knew who was a CEO transition coach. And I stopped her in her tracks and I was like, oh, my God, I can help ex-cops. Because just like a CEO who doesn't know how to not be a CEO when they're done being that role, so many cops just, I'm just a cop is in our mind. And we don't realize how much we have to offer, how many skills we have and what we can do. So that was last March, March of 22. And I was so rude to her, but I was like, I am sorry. I've got to pick up my phone right now and put like a shit ton of notes down. Cause I don't know. I'm going to forget this. Um, so I did, I created I got home. I told everybody I think I knew about this idea and every single person was like, oh my God, that is so you. And I knew I was onto something when I was talking to other ex-cops I knew, and I hate that term, but prior law enforcement. And they were like, wow, that would have been really helpful when I was going through this or wow, that is so needed. Or even cops that I still know were like, yeah, because I can't think about life after this. I, there's nothing that would even compare. And to, to this day, entrepreneurship is the only thing that has even held a candle to, tried to compare to law enforcement, and I don't have people telling me what to do, how to do it. I don't have a glass ceiling. I can do it my way. I can take my ideas and actually run with them. Um, so that's been great. And out of that business, Next Shift, um, which there's a whole big picture for what that's going to look like, Next Shift Academy was born. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so next shift, the, the I'm starting with law enforcement because it's what I know and I feel more comfortable doing that. Eventually, big picture, all first responders will be included that, including dispatchers and including first responders, spouses or significant others, because those that is a group often forgotten about. And now that I'm on that spouse side of it, it's hard <laughs> to be on this side of that. Um, so I want to make sure they have the resources they need. And that we help these officers that I served alongside, whether actually served alongside or across the country, have resources they need to either prepare for this transition before it's forced on them or, hey, man, you're struggling with this transition and I get it. I've been there. I actually sat in it for two years before I did anything about it. I can help you get through that um, and move forward with whatever might be the best part of your life now. I love your mission. I love what you're working on. Um, so I follow a guy by the name of Lewis Howes. Yeah. And he has the, the school of greatness. Yep. <laughs> so um, I used to, one of one of my talks used to be about becoming your greatest self. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, I need, I need to play on the school of greatness. So I, I came up with the Hero Academy, right? Because in society, those people are called heroes, right? Yep. Uh, police officers, <laughs> firemen, nurses. 
And um, I'm like, ah, it's kind of like a play on, and, and eventually I'll have courses, right? I'll have courses. Yep. So it's like an academy, right? Yep. And uh, my mission is to create 10,000 coaches to empower 1 million families, uh, 1 million frontline heroes by 2031. And um, I have so many ideas around it, like a comic book. I have a, uh, I have a show idea. <laughs> I have so many ideas. And like you had touched on the fact that there is no ceiling. Yep. Whatever you think of, you can create and you can work towards. It's so incredible yep. to be able to build a brand around yourself. I love what you're doing. I love your mission. <laughs> and if there's any way that I can collaborate and help you with that, um, I have an idea for a summit, which I spoke to a few of my uh, fellow speakers, um, an idea for a summit around Police Week. And I would definitely like to include you and include your story in it and have you teach like a 15 minute session, you know, just tell your story and teach. I think I'm going to have everyone do like 15, 10 or 15 minutes, depends on how many speakers I have. I'm going to try to limit it to like a dozen. It may have to be over a two day, like a two day weekend, but sometime around police week. Yeah. That's, my, that's one of my ideas right now. And I want to put that together, but back to you. What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in wallowing in that transition phase, <laughs> those two years? Like, uh, what's something that you can tell our listeners that either they're preparing to leave or they just left? Yeah. Well, and it might not even be what you think, and it might sound really cliche, but life is too short to be miserable. And you are the captain of your life, whether you're still in it and you can't see outside of it or you're out of it and you're like, wallow, poor pity me, like... You have to own that. You have to become very darn self-aware of who you are, where you are, and where you want to go. You have to be aware enough to seek support, seek help. And I know it's not our strong suit. I know that. But there are people out there like Dave and like myself who aren't therapists. We aren't counselors. We cannot help you with some of the issues you may have. But we have been there. I have been there. And I can definitely help you at least see another side of yourself and create some perspective or mindset shifts. And I think the self-awareness to ask for that assistance, you got to have it. There's so many opportunities to do things like it's just, and, and there's so many things that if you're not exposed to it, you just don't know what's possible. Like I I've been following uh, Mr. Beast. I watched his interview on Joe Rogan mm -hmm. and um, he was just saying how he doesn't watch movies. He's just obsessed over YouTube and the guy has like 100, 150 million subscribers. His average video gets like 200 million wow. views, 150 million <laughs> views. That's more than some TV networks. Right. <laughs> you know, like he has incredible power and he did it all through YouTube. And Joe was like, you know, like, he's like, do you worry that, you know, they'll take away your platform or anything. And he's like, I don't worry about that. He's like, he just worries about making good content. And the guy is, he's just a very interesting character. And it's possible for any police officer listening to this to create the same thing. Like I went on to YouTube and I followed a couple channels that had, you know, 4,500 subscribers, thousand subscribers. And um, there's a book called a uh, thousand true fans i think i have it up there on the shelf uh super fans yeah. by pat flynn it's a great book and it just talks about the fact that if you get a thousand true fans out there like 
you can pretty much launch anything. Absolutely. You have, a, you have another project coming up? Like what's your next project that you're working on? Uh, the next, the next and very first thing I'm working on is actually a group coaching program. And you had said something about creating courses and the group coaching program I was just in was actually to create a course. And then going through it, I had decided, you know what, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I like. I, I am not the person to sit here and just record videos all day and then post them in a platform and you watch them and you do the homework. And then I talk to you about it at some point. I was like, that, I despise recording myself. I will talk live all day long. That is not a problem. Um, so this has now transitioned into, it's going to be a six week, condensing six years of lessons I've learned, six week group coaching program. Um, where there's a Facebook community that's private to where officers, prior officers, whoever ends up joining it can be there. They can understand that people understand what they're going through. There will be weekly live Zooms on Wednesdays at seven o'clock um, where we talk about a certain topic, whether it be mindset and habits, unlearning cop think, um, skills and passions that you have, and maybe how to tailor those into your next career or building your own whatever it is for yourself. Um, kind of covering all of those things over that six week period. Um, and I already know that for the next thing I want to create, because I've done it once before for direct sales, is just making that a little more general and helping people learn to build a business online, um, but keep the focus with people first and then products. You focus on people, including yourself first, and then who you're going to help, and then whatever product it is you're representing or you create to sell that's how you do that. And that's how you're successful. You have to focus on people first. I just want to tell you, I, I can't give you enough roses um, <laughs> while you're still here, but um, you are the exact type of person that I want to highlight on the podcast. You, what you're doing is so incredibly important work. You're on the right track. I just want to applaud you and give you your roses and tell you that you're on the right track because this is exactly what I help other officers and firemen and police officers to do exactly what you're doing already. And your idea is in the right vein. There's not enough people that are serving our community mm -hmm. in this way. Right. So if you can help, if you can help, you know, thousands of people and I can help you to do that, um, like I, I, that's something I want to get behind, yeah. you know, like I love, I love your mission and I love exactly what you're doing. And I'm going to shout it to the mountaintops and tell everyone like, Hey, you need to talk to Jess Flores, you know, and like talk to her about a program because there's no reason why you can't take her program and do the same thing with your own story. Yep. You know, like everyone, everyone connects with different people for different reasons. Yep. And like, there may be someone from California that doesn't like my New York accent, you know, and like, <laughs> they, connect, they connect with you over, you know, over me, but, I, and I'm okay with that because like, I, I truly don't believe in competition. I right. believe like that the, there's an endless pie and then you can go into, you can go into other English speaking countries yep. like Australia and Great Britain yep. and, and like, it's 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 infinite yep. you know it's really the pool the pool of where you're at and what you're doing there's so few people doing it it really is a blue ocean there's not a lot of sharks yep. um there it's a it's a very it's an incredible opportunity and i 
like I said, I'm really, really happy for you. I'm happy that I got to connect with you. For sure. It's not over. It's not over. I'm just segueing into my next <laughs> couple of questions. <laughs> um, what advice do you have to help people avoid burning out? You know? Yeah. Uh, I wish I had known that way back when, before I did burn out myself. Um, friends outside of law enforcement, 1000%, have them, lean on them trust them, um, network as much as you can with people you meet on the job, off the job, create that network because we never know when this career will be taken from us. Hopefully we're still alive to like need it, but have a network out there that you can lean on when you need to, um, and have hobbies outside of law enforcement. Both of those things are nothing I had. I lived and breathed being a cop and it was probably the most detrimental thing I could have ever done to myself or my career. I um, used to always tell people when they asked what I did, like in the gym, I, I would tell people up until recently, because now I don't care. But I used to think that I was going to go undercover at some point. <laughs> so I used to tell people that I worked for the post office. Yep. And that was like, my, <laughs> and, and it, it really ended, it ended all conversation. Yeah. Because like, whenever I said I was a cop, they were like, oh, blah, blah, do you know this person? Or, hey, did you ever do that? You know, and it's like, I don't really want to talk about yeah. that. Right Have now. you ever shot someone? Have you ever killed anyone? Like, no, just yeah, please, like, stop. <laughs> please stop. Yeah, please stop. Please <laughs> stop. I don't want to have this conversation. Be normal. So I would tell people that I worked for the post office, yep. and it pretty much killed the, uh, killed, they're like, oh, okay, I know what you do. Yeah, my husband tells people <laughs> waste management all the time. And I mean, it's accurate, but just a different guy. <laughs> That's pretty funny. How long does your husband have on? 12 years now. So, yeah. God bless him. <laughs> and he stays safe. Uh, what what role is he in? Is he in patrol? He's patrol he and he's midnights. We're working on moving him out of there. And my, I want him to do whatever he wants to do for his career because I know we're called to do these things. But if I had my way, next shift blows up and he comes right alongside me and helps teach just a very different part of it. Okay. All right. I love it. Um. I worked midnights for six years and then I worked, uh, I loved to patrol. Mm -hmm. um, midnights was when we were, you know, chasing after bad guys. And then I went to a community uh, police unit where I was like riding the bicycle and I got to wear the shorts. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I still, in the winter, I still got to do, you know, enforcement. Right. So I stayed in that unit for 10 years and I thought I was going to retire out of there. But then I got the opportunity to make detective. And I went to special victims yep. and worked with children for two and a half years. Rough job. And they, yeah, <laughs> Rough yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was actually pretty rewarding. Um, but you definitely can't stay in that unit for too long because you do get burnt out. Um, and then I went to the general squad where there was some very interesting cases. Um, like I had a case where a woman said that she was abducted by the Mexican mafia and it turned out that she was just lying. Weird. <laughs> I'm like Mexican mafia and, and, and all the chiefs were calling me and like, they were taking it very serious, but I was able to disprove that, you know, she basically made it up to steal money from her husband, yeah. her, her boyfriend who had flown out of the state. Um, yeah, I think some of my yeah, favorite I mean, cases were disproving what somebody said. I was like, no, you're not. I was just going to ask, I was just going to ask, do you have any funny stories from patrol or from your time as a detective um, where it's like, uh, you can't believe what you saw or like, you know, what, what's your funniest <laughs> or craziest story? I'm sure there's plenty and man, you're putting me on the spot right now. Um, and I would like to say, so after six years, I finally got myself back to a police department. So my full-time job now is as a civilian 
at, a, at our local police department, which not something I thought I'd be able to do, but I sit at the front desk, I take walk-in reports, I deal with the phone calls, I get to not deal with suspects, thank goodness, anymore, or be in the weather. I literally just get to help serve the community and then write the best report I can for our detectives so they can actually just start investigating and not do back work to figure out what the hell they're even looking at. Um, so that's fun. And I will tell you the things I get to see that walk into a police station, and it's more so the things that we can't do anything about, but people think we can. And right. I told my coworker, I'm like, I think I'm going to start keeping notes. And every stupid thing that people say that I thought there was no more stupidity left in the world, that when they come in, I'm going to make a note of it because, wow, they just like shocked me. They're standing at my window and, and you can't make up the things that people say. You just, you really can't. <laughs> That's something that looking back, I wish I had done more. Me I wish too. I had kept a journal of like all of the crazy and funny stories. Like yeah. I have some in the back of my head, yeah. but there's just so many that, uh, you know, you start to lose, you start to forget stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say one of the most proud things actually just happened. I went to the state of Missouri and worked as an investigator as a civilian, but I got my first federal case just sentenced yesterday, I think it was, or two days ago. Um, and she got 54 months in prison for welfare fraud, which I didn't even know what that was before I started in that job. Um, but that was a hell of a case, stealing seven people's identity, including dead people to apply for benefits in multiple states for multiple people. And I was like, as a civilian, I get this. And then I got to help with Operation Legend with the United States Marshals. I had reached out to them when they came to town to clean up our godforsaken city. And I was like, I want to help. This is who I am. This is what I can do. And 187 names later, I had helped them through that entire list, track down some of our worst offenders here and get some of those people off of our streets. And that I got a challenge point from the Marshals for that as a civilian. So law enforcement was great. But man, as a civilian, I really like, <laughs> I've really made it. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Um, if you had, if like, say money wasn't in, in the equation, mm -hmm. right. And you had Jeff Bezos money, yep. uh, how would you spend, what, what would a typical day look like? And how would you spend all of that money? Um, I would live on a beach probably in San Diego. Um, it's gorgeous there. We got engaged and married there. Um, it's just insane to live out there, but that's where I would live if I had his money, um, right on the water. I would wake up when I wanted to. It would still probably be early at this point because I'm on days for so how long. Would you travel, how often would you travel and like and like do your thing? Would it be all remote? Like if you could set up your business yep. in the ideal best case scenario, how would you set it up? It would be mostly remote as far as this goes, but I it is in my plans to have meetups and events that I can speak at, that I can have other experts speak at to help serve this community even better. Yep, I heard you say it. I was like, oh man. Same wavelength here. Same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're definitely on the same wavelength. So when you have your event, yep. when you have your event in San Diego, yep. I would be honored to fly there and speak to your audience. I would, uh, I would, I would kill it first of all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I don't like confidence. <laughs> That's very good. You know, you, you know what's so funny is. Um, I tell a story. Both of my brothers are five eleven, and I'm I'm a, a mighty five three. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, my older brother, my older brother, um, is dealing with uh, drug addiction, yep. and my younger brother was killed. Oh my! So sorry. So yeah, but um, you know they got the height. So <laughs> <laughs> while it lasted, I guess. Oh, oh my goodness. god, they got the height. Yeah. So I. 
So like, I don't curse God that I, I spent many years asking, why am I so short? Why? God? Yep. I took after, I took after mom. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. So I, it's funny when I walked into my office in special victims, um, my sergeant was like, he's like, man, I, I, I don't even want to say it because uh, it's kind of vulgar, but he's like, man, you're, he's like, you're super, you're super confident. <laughs> And I'm and I'm like, yeah. Well, if I was six foot, I'd walk around with a cape. I said I'd really be a superhero. <laughs> I would legitimately be a superhero if I was six foot. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I made him laugh. I made him laugh. That's um, what it's all about, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I learned over the years that the uh, the guys who the bosses like to have around them most, the guys and girls, are the yep. ones that made them laugh the most. You know, like like why wouldn't you want to have if if someone's a good worker. Yep. And they can make you laugh. They're fun to be around during the day. Like yep. those are the best people to have. I never made boss. I've ne- actually never taken a promotional exam. Wow. I thought about I thought about studying on the last two tests. I actually got in with a group of guys. I uh, you know helped them to cut the cost of the promotional oh, material, gotcha. and um, and then I didn't even crack the books open. I was like, ah, I'd rather just focus on business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's not all it's cracked up to be. You get a squad of six brand new people under six months and <laughs> your nerves are no longer there. You don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's one to three pieces of advice that you give your 18-year-old self, like just before you got on the job or mm-hmm. um, just if you could go back in time and tell that young Jess yeah. something, what would you tell her? Um, I think I'm stealing this from Rachel Hollis, but other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Don't get wrapped up in that. There are certain people out there who want to come to you and tell you every little thing that every single person has said about you. We have the internet now, God forbid, like people are like keyboard warriors and they want to just come at you for whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a block button for a reason. Move on. Um, so that first, um, Going back to you are the one in charge of your life. You are the one who has to make things happen. Nobody is coming to save you. Nobody is coming to pull you up out of that pit. You have to be aware enough that that's happening and do whatever it takes to get out of that. Um, And then stop living life for other people. Um, That was the greatest thing I ever did. My husband and I, we don't want kids and it still blows people's minds. It blows our family's minds. And we decided before we ever started dating eight years ago, like, nope, this is, I think that's why we worked. Like, neither one of us want this. Like at one point we did, but that's because society told us we needed to have a family and we needed to have this. We sold our house this summer to now live in this awesome apartment. We don't need to own a home to have an American dream that we don't like doing the home things. We want to be able to travel when we want. We want to be able to pick up and move when we want. Um, Selfish or not, like that's the lifestyle that we want and that we're okay with. So those societal norms, going to college and wasting all that freaking money that you now have to pay back because you can't find a job in that career field. Why? <laughs> like you don't have to do any of this. Eighty <laughs> percent of the people that go to college don't go. It's something high. Like it might even be higher mm-hmm. than eighty percent. They don't get a job in their in their in their field. I watched every single one of my friends go to college, get a degree, and I don't think one of them. I don't think one of them got a job in their career field and they actually struggled trying to find a job because they had no experience. All they were, I don't want to say just a student, but all they were, were a student and they had no experience where at 21, here I am like literally protecting the streets of our city and their right to go out and party and be idiots in it. (laughs) 
Um, if people want to uh, get on a waiting list or you know, reach out to you, how, how would they find you? Yeah, so they can, the they can find me on Instagram. That's where I am typically. And the underscore just Flores is my, my personal page, if you want to, or my direct sales page. It shows you a whole journey of the past five years. It's quite entertaining. Um, and then underscore next shift underscore is the one I created kind of more leaning toward promoting next shift, promoting mindset awareness and the transition type of content over there. I'm still learning what I want that to look like over there, building it out, um, but growing that network of more so officers, ex-officers and their families, um, resources, mental health resources, podcasts that they can listen to and use. And both of those have a link. The Next Shift one has a link up there. You can click on join um, Next Shift Academy. The waitlist is kind of done at this point, um, but also some other resources I've come up with on there. That's very cool. All right, my last five questions for you, and then I will respect your time and let you run <laughs> back to whatever you were doing. Uh, what's your definition of a hero? Oh, man, you just like kind of come out of the gate with some of these. Um, someone willing to serve other people in whatever capacity that looks like and show up. I agree. And when stress is starting to bubble up and you're starting to feel a little low, how do you save yourself? Exercise. Show yourself. <laughs> Exercise 100%. Typically, sometimes it is I need to lift heavy, but a lot of times it is just get outside and go for a walk. I agree a thousand percent. <laughs> and um, why did you add coaching to your to your plate like what was the purpose behind coaching there was a need there's far too much of a need for it um again not a counselor not a therapist and so many of us don't seek help because of that stigma and those titles i feel like coaching is more accessible i think it's more um acceptable by people in our profession and what's your greatest strength your best ability um, to help people see a part of themselves they don't see for themselves. Give them that borrowed belief until they believe in themselves. I'm, I'm an encourager. Like I'm, I'm, I, I like to compliment people. Yep. So <laughs> it's like in our nature. Yep. Um, if you had a, my last question for you, if you had a comic book superpower, what would it be and why? Um... I don't even read comic books. I have no idea what those superpowers look like, but but, but you, everyone knows who Superman. I know. Um, I think to read people's minds. <laughs> yeah, I don't read comic books either, but I grew up on all of the animated cartoons and all of the movies. Yep. Um, my youngest son, he had all of the action figures, and he used to play with them. So I loved Marvel and DC for many many years and then once they started like exploding the movies right for the last like 20 years or so i've seen every single one yep. and i enjoy and i enjoy them all too <laughs> thank you so so much jess it's been amazing talking to you and uh this is just the beginning of our friendship and we will stay in touch and i will support you any way that i can and that i think of All right, all right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.